me because that's what I've truly strived to portray. I mean, I want to be as authentic as possible. Like I want people to be able to meet me in person and then their, um, you know, experience of dealing with me in person exceeds that of what they thought it would be. Like I want to be the best person I could be for everybody that I interact with. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of KCL's Keto Corner Podcast. On today's episode, I speak with Robert Sykes, and you may know him as Keto Savage on Instagram and YouTube. Um, This conversation was so amazing. Um, Robert has been a very helpful, um, kind person towards me, and um, I connected with him back in March of last year and just have kind of kept in touch. Um, We both have watched each other kind of grow over this past year. Uh, What's been super awesome is seeing him grow his brand as Keto Savage, as well as the Keto Brick. So if you didn't know that, uh, Robert is the person who created the Keto Brick. And if you have not ordered one or tried one, you are missing out. Um, but this episode is is just really cool. Uh, we talk about his bodybuilding experience using a ketogenic approach. We talk about how he, you know, essentially left um, his stable job to pursue a passion of his, which is uh, fitness and nutrition. And, and then we also discussed how he's building both his brands of Keto Savage and Keto Brick. And um, I just love his perspective. I love how he makes everyone feel like they're a part of his life and his team. Um, and I just truly appreciate him as an individual. So be sure to check him out on Instagram and on YouTube. He puts out a daily vlog, which is super awesome. Um, but I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Hey, Robert, how are you? I am doing wonderful, Lauren. How are you doing? I'm good. It's good to talk to you again. It is a pleasure. My pleasure. I had you on my show. I don't know how long ago it was now, but it's been it's been a little while. It's been a couple months. Uh, yeah. yeah, at least I would say at least like four or five months. So uh, it's good to talk to you again. I know you're a busy man. <laughs> no, it's it's uh, like I said, it's my pleasure to jump on. I really admire what you're doing in the keto space right now. So any any opportunity I can to interact with you, I'm all for it. I appreciate it. Um, and for those listening who don't know, um, Robert was actually one of the very first people that I reached out to and kind of getting some advice on coaching and, um, you know, how he started out and things like that. So you have been such an influence in my life uh, from afar, even though I don't know if you know that or not, but um, you've really just helped me stay positive and keep pushing and um, just, you know, I aspire to, you know, hopefully be as big as you one day. (laughs) Hey, you gotta gotta be bigger. You gotta be bigger, you know. (laughs) It's the coolest thing for me because, like, you know, I've had people say that I've helped them with the keto stuff, but then to take it another level is they'll reach out and say that I've helped them with their, you know, aspirations to branch out into their own business or whatever that may look like for them. But but that to me is just super cool because that's a whole other aspect of life apart from nutrition, but equally as important, if not more so. 
Yeah, no, it really is. And I mean, just you, I don't know, you know, people listening, if they watch your YouTube videos or have heard much about you, but like for me seeing you just like go from, and I'm going to get your backstory on this because I want everybody to know like, you know, where you came from, you quitting your job or losing whatever. But, um, but just seeing you kind of like jump in and we were just talking about this off air but like you just you jump in and you give it everything you got and that's so inspiring and empowering to people like me who you know it it's my goal and my dream to be that way and I think you set a really good example for not only like that determination and um you know that just that that goal setting but like you're super positive um you are probably in my opinion the only person in the keto space that responds to negativity or like (sighs) criticism or anything like that so like I don't want to say graceful but like just so maturely like everything I feel like that comes your way you always have the perfect response and I admire that so much (laughs) I don't I don't know what I did to to gain that perspective if there's any one thing per se but I think a lot of it just comes from me being really confident in who I am now that nothing anybody really says or does can have a negative hold on me. It didn't it definitely didn't always used to be like that, but but now I've just put myself out there for so long, you know, so many times that any any negative, you know, momentum that comes my way, I just I just learn to leverage it and use it to my advantage, like make it a strength instead of a weakness, you know? No, yeah, that makes sense. And it's like I think that kind of correlates a little bit with uh, people who who are just starting keto and then like people who have done keto for a long time. It's like the longer you do it and the more confident, the more knowledge, the the more power you have like within you, you you don't tolerate any negativity. I get that question all the time of like, how do you deal with the negatives or how do you deal with people, you know, um, you know, saying negative things about what you do as far as keto. And I'm just like, I don't care because I, I know that I'm confident in what I'm doing and that it's good for me. That's right for me. So like, I I mean, I don't care. I'll give you my opinion. I'm not going to argue with you. There's no point in arguing, but, um, that just, you know, it seems like you have that perspective about everything, which is, which is awesome. So, um, it's an awesome example for those of us in the space. Yeah. I really appreciate that. And like, it's, uh, I, I don't know if you want to dive in right there, if you want to start a specific spot, but yeah, having, having a lot of people that have doubted me my whole life and then kind of going against the grain and then seeing success in doing that has, has helped build up that confidence over time for sure. But yeah, there's, no. there's always going to be a hater out there that tells yeah. you can't do something. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. No, yeah, so we can we can start there. Um I want everyone to hear obviously like your previous jobs. I know all about the railroad for you and everything like that. So, um if you want to just kind of dive into that, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, before getting into the keto space, I I'd always kind of aspired to own my own business and be an entrepreneur of sorts. I just didn't really know what that would manifest itself into and look like. And I I tried doing all kinds of, you know, different entrepreneurial things. Like I tried to make an online store selling hunting gear. I tried to, you know, make an Amazon store. Like I tried to do all kinds of stuff and nothing ever really panned out. Um, I tried to get into real estate and didn't really know where I was going there. So, you know, I 
this whole while I was going to school, you know, going through college, both my parents graduated and they pushed that upon me to, to you know, want me to go that route. So I did, uh, went to school for business finance. Thought I was going to be in on Wall Street, you know, as an in like an investment banker or some kind of <laughs> Wolf of Wall Street tycoon. Um, you know, when I did that and graduated and then I got a job in management with the railroad. So I uh, had like six months of training with that. And then I was stationed up in Washington State. So I'm from Arkansas. So I had to go pretty much across the country to work there. And this was like a corporate job. Um, definitely like a, I don't know, it's a definite, you know, big boy job, so to speak. I mean, I, this is what I went to school for. They had a pretty handsome starting salary. And everybody in my family was proud of me. My friends were all proud of me. They thought I was, you know, making waves in life. And it just, like, there was no passion in it. Like there was no, no desire to to get up and go to work because it was just so unfulfilling. I mean, I was, I, I don't know if your your listeners are familiar with the way the railroad works, but just super high level view. There's management and there's union, mm-hmm. and I was in management, and all the the workforce was union. And I basically managed the engineers and conductors, so the people that are operating the trains. I was their you know frontline supervisor, and there was just such this conflict between management and uh, union workers at all times, and I, I tried to bridge that gap. That gap because I'm pretty pretty much cool with everybody. Like I don't really have like this, you know, clicks like that. Never really been a thing for me. So I tried to bridge that gap, and it's like there's just no matter what you do, there's just going to be such unhappiness in the workforce. And yeah. I don't know, it just did not do anything for me. So I uh, basically quit the railroad. They gave me a promotion, and they wanted me to move to Wyoming uh, to work there and be a supervisor there. All the while, I was trying to you know get my real estate thing started in Washington, so I had, was trying to you know get my license as an agent, which I'd gotten. I was trying to invest in apartments there and get into like investment real estate. And then right as I was about to to make this investment on real estate, they told me that I had to move to Wyoming, and it was basically like take this promotion or get fired. And to me, it was like okay, well, that's not really the route I want to go, so I think I'm just going to quit. Um, so I quit. <laughs> <laughs> which was pretty pretty scary like I didn't <laughs> it was a, it was a weird moment in my life because I knew with like so much certainty that it was the right decision I just felt so good in myself for doing so but at the mm-hmm. same time it's like wow this is everything I'd worked to or for up to this point and there's no plan b so I have no idea what I'm going to do now um but yeah I quit and and when I quit I lost my salary so therefore I wasn't able to get approved for that investment property loan that I needed and I was literally back to square one except now I'm in Washington state with no family, no friends. And uh, Crystal, who I, who I'd met when I moved up there, and you know, we weren't together at the time. We were talking, but that's a whole other podcast in itself. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I basically just quit and was left not knowing what to do. And I, I went out in the woods one day, and I was like meditating. And I asked myself, okay, what what can I do to add the most value to the most people? and find my passion and I kept looking at all my interests in life and I was interested in you know fitness and nutrition and whatnot because I'd I'd been doing bodybuilding for a while not keto but I'd been doing bodybuilding Um, and then I was kind of dabbling around with keto I'd read like Jimmy Moore's keto clarity book so I'm like this this might be the next big thing you know in the nutrition world so I kind of had that in the back of my mind Um, I wanted to get into like coaching or mentorships or something and didn't really have any idea how any of this would manifest. I started watching Gary Vaynerchuk stuff, and he was all about creating content and putting yourself out there, you know, making a podcast, making a YouTube channel, and just really, you know, adding value on like a micro basis, you know, with just all this media. 
And I'm like, okay, well, shoot, I'm just going <laughs> to jump in and make a YouTube channel, make a podcast, jump on Instagram. And I'd never done any social media up to this point. So I was totally clueless. And that's basically the basis of what Keto Savage started at, like not really having a clue what I was doing, but learning as I went and, you know, learning how to, to make content, how to interact with people and put myself out there and not have a clue how to go about it, but watching a bunch of YouTube tutorial videos on how to make a video. And that's slowly kind of progressed into what it is today. Yeah, you have an awesome YouTube channel. I, I mean, I have a YouTube channel, but it is nothing like uh, nothing like that. I mean, you're putting out daily content, which is so valuable uh, to so many people. I mean, it's it's. I don't feel like there's anyone out there putting out daily videos like you do. I mean, even just the ten minute, six minute, like little vlog videos are still so like. There's some bit of information or in, impacting information within your vlogs that I feel like people can learn from every single day. And so that's that's like something that nobody in, I feel like, our keto space is doing except you. Well, I look at, you know, um, Casey Neistat. So he was one of the first YouTubers that I found because he's probably one, like the biggest YouTuber. You, I'm sure you've watched his stuff, right? Um, Maybe. Mm, maybe not. <laughs> okay, oh, you got to check out Casey Neistat. So he okay. does. He's in. He lives in New York. He's not keto or anything, but he pumps out a daily video, and it's just like a lifestyle type vlog. And like he's got a huge subscriber base, and some of his. I mean, all of his stuff's just really funny. There's not really any rhyme or reason to any of it, but it's just his day to day life in New York, building a business, building a brand, interacting with people. And he kept going back to the benefit of daily vlogging and all the challenges that come with that but all the reward that also comes with it i mean it is a whole another ball game when you set up to create a youtube channel but then make it a daily youtube channel and i definitely didn't start oh, out yeah. making it a daily channel but our daily video but in doing that you you give the audience something to look forward to every every single day and you you add some kind of content his whole premise was i need to make sure that i'm living my day today in a way that adds enough value for myself and, and, and makes my life interesting enough to put it on camera. So like if you start your day with, okay, what can I do in my life that's interesting enough to put on camera that people are willing to see, you kind of by default put yourself out there more to live a more productive and fulfilling life. So it's, it's kind of like a, like a tool that I use to make myself a better person and indirectly creates a daily video. If that, that makes, makes any sense. They, no, that makes total sense. So it's a it's a way to kind of challenge you to uh, always, I mean, be your best, essentially. And I never thought of it that way. I really didn't. Because, I mean, you know, you think about, because I, I did a daily vlog there for a while when I was doing um, Carnivore and, you know, documenting the experience and everything. I did it for 22 days. Um, and I was like, oh, my God, I I don't want to talk to my phone again for, yeah. <laughs> you know, but because I don't have like a fancy camera or anything, but, um, but you know, it was just so, it was so much. And I don't know if maybe it's different for me because I have a three-year-old and a husband and all that stuff. And, you know, but the fact, I mean, you, you have no excuse. You have a, a business that you run, a company, you have people you manage, like you, you still get it out there every single day. So that's, that's awesome, and I never thought about it, how it, you know, essentially makes you live your best life uh, that way that people can see it. That's that's awesome. Yeah, and, like, 
I, like I said, I never started out doing the daily video. Like when I did my competition prep with keto, I, I looked back at that series and there's only like, I don't know, 12 or 17 videos in that whole series. And that was a four and a half month span. So I was definitely slacking then. I think the first foray into daily vlogging was when I did that 21 day challenge, the 4,000 calorie challenge after my competition prep. And that was only 21 days. And I felt like, oh my gosh, I, I don't want to pick up a camera again ever, you know, mm -hmm. so I can relate with you there. But now that I've been doing it for a while and I'll have like some series that are, you know, 90, 100 days and then I'll just start another one that's a 90, 100 days right after that one's over. So it winds up being like an indefinite daily vlog. But it your your perspective changes with anything in life, you know, and putting out a, a daily video is the same way. Like it becomes much easier the more you do it. Yeah, no, I, I can agree. I mean, you kind of have like your your intro, your outro, all that stuff, and you get really more efficient at editing and, and all that stuff. So I could see where that that makes sense. Um, but so you mentioned your contest prep. And of course, I'm going to ask you about it because that's essentially why you are Keto Savage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess give everyone uh, some background on, you know, bodybuilding in general, like how you decided to start bodybuilding with keto and like your experience and all that stuff. Yeah. So I, like I said, I'd, I'd been doing, you know, competitions, bodybuilding competitions prior to uh, finding the keto diet. I'd done one in 2012 was my first competition, and that was, that was, that was rough. I mean, I, I didn't have any coach, didn't have any trainer, didn't have any prior knowledge of what to do with regard to diet. Um, I had just watched a bunch of YouTube videos of professional bodybuilders and of course, they're all taking steroids, so it's not really even the same playing field. <laughs> but, you know, I would I would emulate what they were doing, and they would oftentimes bulk up really big in the offseason. So that's what, I would, that's what I did. I got up to 230 pounds, um, and I'm only 5'7", five, 5'8", five, so I was I was huge. And, and then I would cut down for a competition, and I only gave myself three months to cut down for that first show, and I lost 70 pounds in that three months. Oh, my but God. But <laughs> it was so incredibly unhealthy. Like I'm not bragging about that. It was it was not a good thing. No, um, no. <laughs> I lost a lot of muscle, and it was just I was in a very dark, dark headspace throughout that prep because it, like I said, it was my first one. And when when you're doing something for the first time and you're trying to pursue excellence, and you don't know what excellence even looks like, you push yourself beyond what is even necessary. And I'm glad I did because it gave me so much more perspective of what my body and mind are capable of. But I had to go, I had to go deep into some mm -hmm. some nasty stuff to get there, and um, so so that was that was that that was that first competition which I had I had won that one, and and know, that one that wasn't was, keto or yeah that one was not oh. keto that was like the traditional you yeah. know chicken and rice broccoli I was in I was in college at the time of that one so I was you know going to school um, you know carrying my backpack carrying my gym bag and carrying like this duffel bag of you know seven Tupperware in it and I would go around campus and open up a Tupperware every two and a half hours and eat a meal. Um, oh, so not, not very effective at all. Aren't you and, glad you don't have to do that anymore? <laughs> oh yeah. That's, it's liberating, liberating. I mean, that, that alone is reason enough to be keto going through a competition mm -hmm. prep. Um, so yeah, that was my first one. And then I had, I had done two more after that one that were also not ketogenic, um, much more healthy mindset wise, but but still not really optimal. And then after those three, those first three, I I developed a bunch of eating disorders throughout this whole time. Like especially after that first competition, 
you know, after getting so big and then losing so much weight and, and seeing myself so lean and then kind of gaining weight back on after that prep was over, it really messed with my head and I developed a bunch of pretty chronic eating disorders. And I didn't really know how to sustain a bodybuilder's lifestyle without having those eating disorders. So I tried a bunch of different diets and whatnot in between competitions to find something that worked for me. And I was on, I was doing carbohydrate backloading, which I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but basically it's, it's basically keto throughout the first part of the day. And then at night you eat a bunch of high glycemic index carbs. Uh, the whole point is to, to, you know, go keto, burn yourself, burn your body fat throughout the day. Um, and then have a really high glycemic index spike at night to help build muscle. But since you're keto, the first half of the day, you don't really gain. It's basically like targeted keto in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so many carbs that you're definitely not in ketosis. Like I was probably mm -hmm. eating, you know, 1,000 grams of carbs a day. Um, but so all at that. nighttime. Yeah, exactly. All at nighttime. Yeah, it's just, that's crazy. It was, I felt good doing it. Honestly, like I didn't feel any negative repercussions. But it was so... Like I would look at what I would eat in a day and it would be like all healthy, you know, good, good foods throughout the day. And then at night I would have like an entire brownie mix, you know, <laughs> with an entire jar of almond butter on top of it and a bottle of syrup. And it's just like, okay, this is probably not the best thing for me. <laughs> so, oh my God, that's you know, some people's heaven right there though. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's why the diet is so popular because you're, you're able to kind of get away with some of that stuff. But over time... You know, like you might not gain much body fat initially from mm -hmm. it, but over time you're just looking at, I didn't know any of this at the time, but you're looking at what you're actually consuming and doing to your body and having such a high glycemic index spike right there at the end of the day. It's it's not optimal. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, this this is this is good, but I'm going to try and just avoid the carbs and do carbohydrate backloading without the carbs if that is such a thing. Um, so that's what I did, and I noticed I felt really good. I felt uh, just lighter if that makes sense i felt like i was more nimble i didn't feel like i was weighed down by food at all and i was basically eating very very low carbohydrate um a low carbohydrate diet and everybody in the gym was like well, what are you doing for carbs i'm like i'm not really doing anything for carbs and i didn't have high enough fat my protein was probably way too high definitely not optimal keto a keto diet but better than anything i'd done at that point and i noticed that more so than anything my body's relationship with food was improving and I was able to to tap into when my body actually needed to eat versus when my food my eating disorder told me I needed to eat so that alone was reason enough for me to kind of play around with this even further and then in doing that I stumbled upon like I said Jimmy Moore's keto clarity book and I listened to I, I listened to that on audio and then I listened to a Tim Ferriss podcast with him and Dr. Dominic Diagostino one of the, mm -hmm. the first podcasts that was keto and I then it really just clicked like I knew kind of what I was doing indirectly and I really just started diving into that and I'm like okay this this is awesome I'm gonna do this and I felt amazing all my performance improved I really kind of honed in on it improved the diet improved my fat ratios and electrolytes and whatnot and everybody in the gym was just dumbfounded that I was you know performing as well as I was without any carbohydrates and I'm like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this for my next competition prep. You know, surely I can, I feel so good now in the off season. I might as well be able to use this going into a contest prep. And everybody was saying that I couldn't do it. It wouldn't work, which made it that much more appealing to me to give it a try. And that's what I did. I, I didn't have anybody to really look towards for keto contest prep 
you know, nutritional advice because there wasn't anybody that I could find on, you know, the media already. So I kind of devised my own ketogenic plan based off of what I knew from prior competitions and what I'd learned about the ketogenic diet. And lo and behold, it worked. And I got in just this crazy, obscene conditioning that I've never seen on myself before. And nobody that I competed with has ever seen. And they looked at me, I looked at me, and it's like, okay, something's working for sure. And I, I won those competitions as well. So I, I was hooked, and I've been hooked ever since. That is so awesome. Uh, I think I asked Crystal the same thing whenever um, whenever she was on my podcast. But, like, you know, you have those people that were asking in the gym, like, how are you doing this? How are you doing this? Like, when you won your competitions, did you have anybody, like, bashing you for doing keto? Or was it just kind of like – and the proof is in the trophy kind of thing. Yeah, it was, it's kind of weird. Like, I've, I've told this story a few times, but, like, like nobody thought that it was work. Um, people that I had, you know, gone through competitions prep with before or I competed against, like, we're all, you know, pretty close. We're all friends and whatnot. And they were just like, this this Robert, he's not even going to be at competition this year. Like, he's he's we might as well just write him off his last place, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay, y'all just keep on talking your smack. And, um I just kept doing what I was doing, and, and this is kind of when I was trying to figure out how to do all this, you know, media and marketing and content generation, so I'm, like, trying to take pictures and post on Instagram and, and whatnot throughout this whole time, and I, most, a lot of bodybuilders, they, they don't really show themselves off the last little bit before competition because they kind of want to just have an unveiling, so to speak, on stage and see right. what it's like and, and what the other competitors are looking like, and when I was backstage of that first show, I, I was, you know, had done my ketogenic refeed meal the night before. I had had my electrolytes on on point. My hydration was good. Everything was to plan as according to to what I'd kind of played around with and experimented with prior to the competition. And I I try to stay very warm backstage because the venues are usually pretty cold. And when you when your body's cold, you can't really get a good you know pump and don't have the vascularity. So I'd wrapped myself up in a blanket and I had a little space heater that I brought with me. And I'm just, you know, getting ready for my time to go on stage and I'm just waiting. I'm listening to some like meditation Zen music and they call my name to, to get ready to go out there. And I'm, I'm sitting and looking in the mirror. I take my my blanket off, turn the heater off and I look in the mirror and it freaked me out. Like I, I looked at myself and the, the combination of the refeed, the hydration level, the salt, the the heat, I looked at myself and it was like an alien, like I, it was just weird. Like it was everything I'd done in the in prior competitions to the next level. And when I stepped on stage, it was lights out. Nobody could come close to my level of conditioning. And it was, I mean, it was, it was surreal because nobody believed I could do this. And not only did I do it, but I did it. And I, I kind of redefined what was capable. And it was just the most fulfilling thing ever because that gave me the the leverage to be able to help other people find this as an alternative means to doing a competition prep, which is normally very an unhealthy process. So mm-hmm. to be able to kind of point other people in that direction and, and have them benefit from it like I have, it's just, I don't know, I love it. It's the coolest thing ever. No, and I think that's awesome. Um, I have a friend. So obviously you and I have kind of talked about how I'm doing, which I, I feel kind of stupid when I say like I'm doing a prep, but I'm not doing a show just yet. Um, I mean, I have a show in mind at the end of the year. Um, but you know, I'm prepping as if I, I am doing a show just to kind of see how far I can push my body. I I don't know why I want to make sure that I can mentally do it. And I feel like, 
either way you're just you just have to do it but I had a friend um who did bodybuilding you know the unhealthy way and she reached out to me she ended up with a lot of eating disorders she ended up in the hospital because of some things that her coach was telling her to take and all of this stuff and um it was just it was a very scary experience for her so she reached out to me and was talking about how she really wanted me to rethink it and she wanted to talk to me about how unhealthy my body image was going to be after and how unhealthy it is for you. And I I just, it's, it's crazy to me because I I look at her and I'm like, you're not keto. So you can't tell me that this is going to have the same effect, you know, as it did on you because it's two totally different worlds. I feel like. Yeah. For, for me, like when you're going through a competition prep and you're you're using a carbohydrate based approach, I mean what the the standard is is to drop your fat incredibly low. And when you do that, obviously your hormones are going to tank, um, your energy levels are going to tank. Like everything is just going to metabolically get screwed up from such a, a decrease in healthy fats, um, regardless of whether you're on a ketogenic diet or not. Like I've got competitors that will be at you know sub thirty grams of fat on a, you know, on a, on a normal diet, which is just crazy low. Um, so they'll be doing that and, and then they'll leave their protein very high and then they'll, they'll drop their carbs down gradually as they go. And then towards the end, they'll, they'll introduce those carbs back to kind of fill out more. And basically what's happening is since they're not in ketosis, they're not keto adapted, their body's inefficiently having to convert that excess protein, you know, to glucose through gluconeogenesis, you know, because that, like I said, they're not keto adapted, which is just a very inefficient, very unclean process to have to use that as your primary source of energy. Right. And that's why they all walk around like zombies and just seem to be like hating their life there towards the last month or so. For me, and that's, that's how I was in prior competitions as well. But for me, when I did the, the keto competition prep, I, you know, I dropped my calories, obviously. So I was hungry. I mean, you're going to be hungry no matter what diet you're on, because you're going to be at a pretty substantial caloric deficit and and hunger just is part of it but since I never dropped my fat which was my primary source of energy too terribly low I I still ran very cleanly like my my ketone production ramped up my body's efficiency at using those ketones ramped up so I actually felt more mentally clear and alert and in tune with my body towards the end of the prep than I did in the beginning, which is exactly the opposite of what other competitors are going through. I was, like I said, I was still hungry, but I was just like a hyper sense of awareness. And I was just, I mean, I could literally get three hours of sleep and be wired. And that's probably not healthy. It's probably not sustainable, (laughs) but I loved it because it was like I was on a drug and my body was just, you know, ticking on all eight cylinders. Like it was, it was, it was pretty impressive what I was able to achieve from just a, a cognitive standpoint, because that is so far opposite of what most competitors are feeling going through a normal competition prep. It's just so crazy. Like it's insane. So for you, when you got down to like peak week, what did your ratios look like as far as like fat to protein? I want to say I was taking in like 65 grams of protein, which is crazy to say at the first point. I mean, most, Mm -hmm. most competitors are taking in, 265 grams of protein. I'm taking in 65 grams of protein. Right. But my fat was, I think, 145 grams, and my carbs were, you know, 10, 15 grams, very, very minimal carbs. Um, 
what is that ratio? It's like 78% fat, I want to say, 78, 79, somewhere in there. Gotcha. So, so um, you you kind of agree with me on the whole total carb stance. You count total carbs all the time, oh, yeah, right? For, and for you sure. have from the beginning? Yeah, I think, I mean, maybe when I very first started, started keto, I mean, definitely when I first started keto, I was more, you know, having like the, the keto cheesecakes and all these mm-hmm. carb look like meals that a lot of people do when they first start keto. But with you know, the longer I've been adapted to ketosis, the the more I've phased those out. And now I'm to the point where I, I definitely count total carbs and I don't really introduce any of those, you know, keto desserts really, maybe on occasion, but it's definitely not a staple. Um, yeah. And I just keep things simple and effective and I don't really have to focus on the food so much because there's too many other things I like to focus on. Right, especially now for you. <laughs> um, yeah. So that I kind of made a post on that on Instagram this week about, um, you know, knowing better and doing better. And so that's kind of like a point I like to touch on, especially with someone like you who's been keto for what, like four, four or five years now? Yeah, I don't know when my official start date was, but it's, it's definitely been four years. It's coming up on five at some point pretty yeah. well. Yeah. So like, you know, you get all these people who ask um, or have the mentality that it's all about like cheese and, um, you know, the keto crutches that that you used to like consume. So like the cheesecakes or the um, making the keto breads or, or whatever, just ketofying everything. And for me, explaining to someone how you evolve, uh, how you learn, like you don't need those things. Like, yeah, okay, you maybe needed them in the transition phase of going from your standard diet to keto. And then, but the whole point of this as a lifestyle is to evolve to a better perspective, to gain more knowledge, to figure out like the foods that are actually going to fuel your body properly. So I I feel like people hearing that from you for someone who has been doing it for so long, it probably would hit home a lot harder. I mean, I've been doing it for two years, but, you know, it's it's like I almost feel like people hold those of us who view food that way to a higher standard or they don't know that they'll ever reach that point. But um, is there any kind of advice you could give to someone who, like, feels like they'll never see that that side of it? Like, they'll always have that crutch? Yeah, so I don't want to fault anybody that uses those, you know, lookalike meals, especially initially. Like if that's used as like a stepping stone to make the diet more sustainable and then, you know, get the momentum going, you know, more power to you. I'm all for it. I did that. But for me and what I would like to believe is true for others is that when you really get keto adapted and when you really tap into what your body's true potential is, um, both from like a physical performance standpoint, but then also from a, just a mental cognition standpoint, you recognize that those benefits far, far, far outweigh any temporary high you can get from having some, you know, carb lookalike meal or just carbs in general. Like if, if somebody yeah. like goes off the rails and has carbs for a weekend. And that to me is is reason enough to to be true to the diet. And then kind of going back to what we said about perspective, I mean, the longer you're doing something and the more of a norm it becomes in your life, the easier it is to sustain that. Like for me, I don't even, I'm not even remotely tempted by carbohydrates anymore. I, right. And I, I just, I just don't care because I would rather benefit from how great I feel now without them than 
it's, it's just not worth it. Like a lot of people, for instance, will use the uh, the reasoning of they're on a vacation, or they're on a trip, or they're going someplace new, or they're in a different country to indulge in a bunch of these foods that are not optimal for their ketogenic diet. And when they do that, they, they without you know without fail, their their trip as a whole suffers a little bit because they're not able to enjoy the moment as much. They're not able to right. you know, be at the at their optimum. Um, you know whether they're, they're traveling or whatever it is. And for me, it's just not a worthwhile trade-off like I want to be fully there and I'm not going to do that if I'm you know groggy because I'm having a bunch of carbs it just isn't worth it to me yeah no I totally agree uh I recently just had someone ask me that that same question um we you know we go on a cruise and I think it's like around 80 days and that'll I think I'm supposed to essentially if, it, if I have it all planned out right a peak about a week or two before um for you know what I'm doing right now and they're like are you gonna stay keto on your cruise and I just I don't I'm like no like how are you gonna ask me that of course I'm gonna stay keto like why would I why would I go through number one all of the hard work to get to where I am and even if I wasn't um, doing what I'm doing right now, like, why would I want to go on vacation and feel like absolute crap when I'm supposed to be having like an, an exciting and fun time with family? Like, I mean, personally, I feel like I'd be in bed the entire trip if I yeah. ate a ton of carbs, you know? So for me, like at, at this point in my life and in, in my journey, you know, you could probably say last year, um, I might would have still been tempted early on in the year. Um, but the longer I do it, the the more I'm just like, it, it doesn't tempt me because I know how I'm going to feel and it's just not worth it. And I mean, I, I feel like you just have to, you can't really tell someone how to change that mindset or to think that way. It's just, it's something that happens over time. Right. And, and for me, like I break this down into two separate entities. Like you've got your you know, the technical aspect of it, the physical aspect of it, of, okay, if I go off the rails and, and eat a bunch of carbs, can I get back into ketosis in a relatively short amount of time? Well, yes, obviously you can get back into ketosis pretty quickly, but there, I, there's no way to really know. I don't think the research is even out there yet, but for me, there's got to be some kind of benefit to just being strictly in ketosis without fail for forever you know like there, like there's got to be some kind of advantage to not going off the rails and not getting into carbs like some people argue the whole metabolic flexibility standpoint right but i mean i don't i mean we're not living in an apocalyptic age where we have to be metabolically flexible or not fighting zombies or anything like you can make the <laughs> choice to stay in ketosis it's, it's quite okay yeah yeah um, no but then you also have the people who will question you like, oh, I've heard it's dangerous to be in ketosis for several days or more than a couple weeks at a time. And I'm just like, what? Which from and who is it being tested on? <laughs> because, yeah. I mean, like, I don't see any solid evidence to back that up. Yeah, exactly. And, and like I said, there's, there's got to be some. Like I want to to get like a, a muscle core sample or something of, of, of me having been in ketosis strictly, not once breaching that and having carbs and just see if if that makes my body, you know, more efficient, more effective, more, uh, you know, optimized for this diet. Like I would have to think it would, but I don't know. Like I don't know what the research or if there is any that would illustrate that. But for me, like 
all the benefit comes from doing hard things. You know, like mm-hmm. it really breaks down to that simple. And if I'm willing to put in the work to be strict with this indefinitely, I'm going to benefit somehow in some way. And I think that that would manifest itself in some physical improvement in performance. Um, but then even more so than that, the the other pillar, the other aspect is the mental aspect. And for me, if I, you have to be okay with wherever you're coming at from a psychological approach. So if you're truly okay with, yeah, I'm just going to have some carbs and it's going to be okay. And then I'll get back on a ketosis and then you might not think anything of it and no harm, no foul. Right. But I'm not like that. I'm, I'm a very much a type A personality. I'm very, very intense. And for me, like if I was to go off of, of keto and then jump back on, like I would associate that with just weakness, like mm-hmm. mental weakness. And yep. that to me is definitely not worth it. I, I do not need that in my life amongst everything else. Like I want to know that I've got the mental fortitude and the discipline to not have to even consider going off of ketosis and, and, and indulging in something that I don't even really consider much of an indulgement anymore. No, that's, I, that's exactly how I am. I'm very like an all or nothing person. If I'm going to do it, I'm not going to half-ass do it. Like I, <laughs> I have to, I'm all in um, and there's, you know, there's just no like if, ands, or buts about it. Um, and you, you know, you still have those people, which I have a couple clients that are, you know, those people who, well, to stay on track, I need to at least have like one day a month where I have something that I used to enjoy. And I mean, if, if that doesn't mess with your mental, um, state and you're someone who can like, you know, jump back and forth like that, um, and jump right back into it and it doesn't mess you up, uh, and the weight gain and the water weight and all that stuff doesn't mess you up, then, by all means, like if that's how you need to live to sustain this diet, then go for it. But like for me, it's just I can't do that for for sake of like, you know, seeing the fact that I would consider it a failure almost. And I don't I don't like that at all. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people look at staying strict ketosis, you know, instead of strict ketosis as this big sacrifice. But I, I don't see it as that at all and no. and if you look at your life i mean everything has this this compounding progression of what becomes normal for you so like if you're someone that trains at the gym you know on a regular basis when you first started training going to the gym every day was not normal it was like this big insurmountable obstacle that you had to build up the mental fortitude to tackle and and you know get in your vehicle go to the gym and, and train hard and then come back home every single day like that was a challenge mm-hmm. but now it's not you know, now it's something that just is normal. It's just as much as part of your day as brushing your teeth is. Yeah. The same thing can be true with being strict ketosis, you know, like it doesn't have to be this, this abnormality in your life. Like that can just be the norm. And then when it becomes the norm, you're not sacrificing anything. It's just part of the day. No, I, I agree with that too. Um, you, you, it's funny, my mom, like my mom and dad both started keto, uh, in December, like late December and they, I mean, I've been keto for two years and they just, they would always look at me like, how do you not like want to eat, you know, all of this stuff that we're eating? How do you not do it? Like, where is your mindset at? Like, how is that not your daily? And it's so hard to explain to someone unless they go through it themselves. And so right now, my mom, uh, especially she, you know, she's been keto for, I would probably say a month and she's just like, I get it. She's like, I mean, I don't, she's like, I'm not in it as far as you were, but, or you are, but she's like, I understand. Like, it's just 
all about your mindset and all about like it's not that you're giving something up. It's that you are, what are you gaining from what you're doing? Don't look at what you have to do without, but look at like what you gain from what, what you, you know, you're doing. So, um, I think, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people have that wrong mindset. They just, they look at like, oh my gosh, I have to give up this and I, I can't give up my, you know, potatoes or I can't give up my sweets, but it's like, look at what you're gaining. Like I've, I haven't been the healthiest I've ever been except for right now. And all I had to do was give up a food group that essentially I was addicted to and, you know, controlled me. So having food freedom, having, you know, uh, no longer having a eating disorder and then gaining so much as far as health goes is so much more beneficial than having those carbs. <laughs> you know, when, when I had my eating disorders and they were really just controlling my life, I, I got so much less done in a day to day because my, my entire day was just consumed with thoughts of food. Like something mm-hmm. bad could be happening around me and I would be thinking about when my next meal is. Like it was yep. just not healthy at all. And the same thing is true with any addiction. Like people that are addicted to drugs, alcohol, porn, anything. Like that's what they fixate on. That's where all their time goes towards. But now that that's no longer the case and I literally do not think about food at all. I mean, I, I know what my macros are. I hit my macros. I eat things that are very efficient. I'm hitting those macros so I don't have to think about it. I get so much more done in a 24-hour period because I am just in a heightened sense of productivity because my mind is is spent working on things that are moving me closer to my goal as opposed to what the next thing I'm going to shove down my throat is. And yeah. for people that that are like that, I mean, I can relate with them. I can sympathize with them because I was. But when you when you get beyond that, I, I, I get so excited for people because they can tap into what they're capable of. Because you're capable of a lot more than you think when all you think when 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 you're thinking about other stuff besides just the next meal in front of you. No, I agree one hundred percent. Like that's just um, even even like in a calorie deficit. Like I I can tell such a difference in my mental right now um, doing this like cut than a previous one. Um, just not. I mean, just maybe like six or seven months ago when I did a, a different one or longer. Um, but like right now, like when you view food as just what is fueling your body properly and what's going to nourish it and you're, you just, you fixate your meals to hit your macros, um, and to, you know, get you closer to your goals. And then you just, you eat it and you're, you're done. Like you don't have to think about those things and think about those foods. It's so freeing. Like, I don't think anyone, unless they've been through it can understand like how, how, how freeing it is to just not be controlled by your, your cravings and your urges and not have to constantly think about like where your next meal is coming from. Because, you know, not only does, does, um, does it provide you that food freedom, but it also like being keto, you just, you naturally can fast. You can, you have the benefit of just, you know, knowing your true hunger. So, um, I think a lot of that goes into it, but I was going to ask you, so we're talking about simplicity of meals and, and all that. And before we get into your whole meat and bricks thing, I want to <laughs> bring up the keto brick, um, because this product, uh, is 
obviously very, very popular in the keto community. And um, I share it with everyone that I know. Finally got my mom hooked on it. <laughs> I told you that. Um, and it's just so nice to have something that is like a, a solid um, option. I'm, I'm not one to promote like bars and meal replace. I mean, I, re- I do some meal replacement shakes, but like a actual meal replacement bar like the keto brick is so crucial to have in the community um so if you will tell everyone kind of how you came up with the keto brick and and kind of how it's manifested yeah yeah so let me let me preface this with saying i don't want to sound biased in talking about the keto brick because it's my product and i'm no, gonna make a whole bunch of money biased. if people talk about it but <laughs> no this i give you 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 should <laughs> sound biased because it's it is it is such a better quality product than anything that's out there. I will put that out there 100%. I appreciate that. I really do. Like for me, I'm not, I didn't make a product. Like I was, like I said, I wanted to try and, you know, build a business and be an entrepreneur, yada, yada, yada. But I never made the keto brick to be a product. Like that was just simply (laughs) something I made for myself because I wanted all of the things that we just got done talking about. I wanted something that was, you know, foolproof, ketogenic, macro-friendly, with an emphasis towards performance, with the right fat ratio, didn't require cooking, and was shelf-stable. Like that, That's it. That's what I wanted. I wanted something that I could have during my competition prep where I could bring it with me, and then I wouldn't have to think anymore about macros because I didn't want to fixate on food anymore. So that was was literally the, the, the premise behind the keto brick. And you know, I kind of played around with a couple of different formulas or a lot of different formulas. I tried to figure out what worked. There was a whole bunch of different generations of the keto brick. And then, you know, lo and behold, I landed on on this one or something very close to it, um, the current generation. And again, I didn't plan on it being a product. I had it in like a, a video. I had it in one of my vlogs. And a couple of people were asking about it. You know, what's the recipe? Where can I get one? And I'm like, oh, it's just nothing. I just made it for competition prep stuff. Not, no, no biggie. And they just kept kept asking, kept asking. And then my mom was like, you know, people keep asking about this on your videos. You want to try making this a product? And I'm like, no, nah, I don't. I got too much other stuff going on. Um, so I, I never really gave it two thoughts. Like I never thought this was going to be a thing. I never thought it would blow up. And then I don't really know what the the aha moment was to to jump in and try it because I never wanted a physical product. I wanted to make stuff that I could do online completely because then I could travel and work from anywhere. Um, so the fact that we set out to make it a physical product was kind of against everything I'd worked for up to that point. But Crystal and I were like, okay, let's just d- jump in and, and see what happens with it. So she... She did a bunch of work trying to, you know, figure out the health certification laws, talking to the health department. I did a bunch of work on the back end of like the formulation, the sourcing, uh, you know, getting ingredients at wholesale pricing, how to make a website, how to build this all up. And we were making these in our kitchen, you know, initially. And then we figured out, you know, we have to have a a certified commercial kitchen space. So we, we, we rented one of those by the hour. It was three hours away from where we were living at the time. So we would travel three hours make a bunch of bricks and stay up all night making these things because we didn't have any equipment. I mean, we were literally making one brick at a time. I remember. The ingredients <laughs> for each brick at a time, measuring them out and mixing them with a spoon in a measuring cup. Like that was how we did it. Yep. I and remember those vlogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we stayed up 15 hours straight on our first uh, night of making these things. We left, I think it's six o'clock in the morning and we had made 162 bricks or something like that. And we just felt like we were on top of the world. You know, we made 162 bricks 15 hours later. You know, we, we were so exhausted, but we're so proud of it. And then we put them on the website. And then I told everybody about it on the vlog. And they were sold out in like 
minutes. I will like, say I was one of those very first people that got Trike to break. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. So you're yeah. one of the OGs. OG, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Support. I appreciate that. And and it just kept getting bigger. So we we we'd go buy more ingredients. We 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 graduated from the, the measuring cup with a spoon to a little little three quart mixer. And then we graduated from that to like a five quart. We just kept scaling up, kept scaling up. And I mean, they would just keep sailing, selling out. Like I remember I had these bins. We had, we, we put them on these big old plastic bins and I was putting them in the back of my truck, strapping them down, driving three hours back and forth. And then I'd unload them at my, my folks house because I, I didn't want them to be outside in the sun. I didn't want them to melt or anything. So I'd have to unload them at my parents' house, load them back up, go to the commercial kitchen. Like it was total and utter chaos and unorganization. And we we wound up like getting a different, uh, we, we found this warehouse the space that we're in now. Um, so we moved into this. We, we've kept everything in house. We got the van so I don't have to strap it onto the, my truck anymore. We've got like new equipment. We've got seven employees now. I mean, it's, it's just crazy because we launched this in March of 2018 and here it is, January of 2019, and it's totally, totally blown my mind beyond any possible reasonable, reasonable anticipation of what this could become. And the support behind it continues to just surpass my expectation. Like, I have no idea what I've ever done to be so lucky to have the following support that I do from my audience, but I owe, owe my audience everything. They're my oxygen. I love every single person, and that's why I never hesitate to respond back to every email, every dm every everything because i am nothing without the people that's into this podcast right now and y'all have made my lifestyle possible so thank you no it's uh it's been amazing to watch um just being on the other side of it um seeing you guys go through i mean i've been a huge keto savage crystal love fan from the beginning since i you know came upon you guys and I don't even remember how that happened but um just like watching you guys grow seeing you guys like you know go through so much I mean Crystal was going through her competition prep when you guys were doing these keto brick things mm -hmm. like I yeah. remember I remember seeing her like struggle and just like you both make everyone and I I can speak for many people who also watch your videos and stuff. You guys make all of us feel like we're a part of your family and a part of your world. And I think that is why you are such a huge influence in uh, the keto space. And I think that's why you have the following that you have is because you – like we were talking about earlier in, in the podcast, uh, that YouTube, the daily content, making people a, a part of your daily life, like that is so huge. And it's and it's not fake. You can tell when stuff is fake. You can tell when stuff is forced. But everything is just so authentic and so real with you guys that I, I think that that is 100% why you guys have gained so much attention and momentum Um and it's it's hard to find people who are in the space that are so authentic like you guys are. I, I mean, that's honestly the the nicest thing anybody can say to me because that's what I've truly strived to portray. I mean, I want to be as authentic as possible. Like I want people to be able to meet me in person and then their um, you know experience of dealing with me in person exceeds that of what they thought it would be. Like I want to be the best person I could be for everybody that I interact with and. It's been hard. It's been tough, but it's it's been so so worth it. And I don't have the biggest following. I don't have the most subscribers, but 
I would put my audience up against anybody's for just mm -hmm. loyalty and just true, honest, you know, I don't know, like, I, I, we are a family, like, we are, you know, true blue, and I, I freaking, like, I, like I said, I owe everything to everybody, so I, I could not ask for more. The Keto Savage Squad is, like, as big as anyone could ever imagine. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an um, honor to be part of, for sure. Yeah, so, um, as far as, like, going back to, now that everybody knows more about the bricks, um, you are doing something new. So going back to the food simplicity, you're doing this meat and bricks thing. So what was the idea behind that? I know you and Danny Vega kind of collaborated on that. So Yeah, so I took Danny uh, and Brian down to, to my family farm. And the whole time we were down there, we didn't have any, you know, any cell phone, any of that stuff. We we ate what we killed. Like we, we made a pact with each other that... <laughs> that we couldn't eat until we killed it. And once we killed something and ate it, we could then eat bricks. Like we had bricks as like the, the backup. Um, and we we killed like a little squirrel. So we're both like just ravenous and eating the squirrel. <laughs> and then we killed a deer finally. So we had deer and, and, and keto bricks. And the whole while, like we just felt really good. We felt like it was back to basics, back to like a primitive time in which, you know, you only had what you could acquire with your own two hands. And the the quality of the, the, the venison we were eating was, was top quality. The bricks are top quality. And we just, we functioned better. We had a clear minds. We didn't have the distractions that come with always being on, you know, social media and, and just constantly having distractions in your life. So we're like, you know, this this could be a, a thing. We could, we could just make this simple. I mean, it's not really an experiment so much as it is just a removal of noise and distraction mm -hmm. from your life. So, yeah, we called it... Uh, two pounds in a brick um, because no matter what amount of meat you eat, whether it be a half a pound of meat or a pound of meat, two pounds of meat, three pounds of meat, if you have that amount of meat, as long as it's like a, a relatively fatty cut of meat, like an 80, 20 ground beef, or I'm using like a 75, 25 ground beef in combination with one keto brick a day, your macro ratio winds up being pretty much the perfect ketogenic macro ratio, like between 74% and 76% fat. So it just makes it foolproof, makes it simple, and then you can go on about living your day. Which is awesome. You've gained a lot of movement. Uh, I've been seeing the hashtag meat and bricks, and I've been seeing like uh, 80 keto, like um, like tons of different people joining in. So um, I think for people who are just looking for simplicity and looking for um, just to kind of take food out of the focus of their life to be more, um, productive and, uh, and efficient. And that's a, that's a pretty simple way to do it. And you get to eat a keto brick. And if you haven't tried a keto brick, I mean, you're missing out because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not supposed to eat a whole one at one sitting, but I could if I wanted to, cause it's that good. <laughs> what, what's your favorite flavor? Oh, the cookies and cream crunch one. Yeah, that oh, one is probably my favorite as well. Yeah, I don't know what the difference is, but it's just, and I mean, I love, like, I think whenever I tried the cinnamon the first time, because I just ordered a week supply of the cinnamon without the coffee in it. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm excited to try that to see if the cinnamon flavor is more intense. But when I tried the cinnamon and the mocha, um, cinnamon for the first time I was like eh I'm an OG like I like mocha like that's my I just you can't do any better but then that cookies and cream one came out and I was like oh my god <laughs> yeah the cookies and creams got my my heart too I think what I'm gonna try to do is get to a point with production that we can keep those three stocked at all times yeah. 
and then introduce like a new specialty limited edition flavor like once a month or once every other month. That's kind of where I want to take things. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that that's a that's definitely a good plan to have. I mean, I feel like I, I think I see now you pretty much are keeping the mocha in stock uh, pretty much all the yeah. time, right? Yeah, yeah. We 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 had uh, for several months that we were just selling out. You know, we'd sell out instantly, and we only had one flavor. So that we would launch at a time. So it would sell out and then everybody would be mad at us that didn't get one or didn't get the email fast enough. And it's like, oh my gosh, we got to do something about this. So we tried to keep at least one flavor stocked at all times. Yeah. So you, uh, I don't know if many people paid attention to it. And and unless you're on the business owner side of anything, um, nobody knows what you go through. But I, I feel like you guys went through so much crap when it came to selling out. Like, uh, most people should be like so excited for you and so proud of you. Like I know I was, I was like, heck yeah. Like I know how hard you worked for that. Like I know how excited and proud you should be for the fact that you sold out of your product and, and each time you scaled up, but then you had these, some people that were just like so hateful. And I just don't understand how people can be so hateful. Like, so so mad that they didn't get a brick when it's like you should just be like proud of this company for you know like it's 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 in such high demand that that you'll get one next time like be patient but like you have you had a lot of uh negative and and i know that i probably took a i think it took more of an effect on crystal than it did you maybe yeah that that was tough because i mean like we we were we were because at the time we didn't have the warehouse space we were now. So we were still traveling three hours, you know, one way, then making all these things like not sleeping like at all. I, I almost crashed so many times from driving while sleep deprived. It wasn't even funny. And then we'd drive three hours back. So we were we were not sleeping, spending all of our time doing this. Like we had no social life. We still don't have a social life, but we had no social life then. And I mean, Crystal and I were just zombies and we were doing everything we possibly could to make sure that everybody that wanted a brick would get one and then to to just put ourselves out there as much as we were and totally let our guard down and be unapologetically genuine and just, you know, sincere and then have somebody come in and just rip us a new one and just be so, so negative. It was like, what are we doing this for? Like we're mm-hmm. we're we're putting ourselves out there because we wanna we want to bring something good. We're like we're we're doing this to be positive and to be met with so much negativity. It was like very very disheartening and I, it was I, I didn't know what approach that i needed to take and i mean crystal would get really emotional like she'd be in tears she had like a panic attack one time and it, it it's easy to stay on the sidelines and, and hear me say this and be like, oh what why'd you even let it get to you but when you're the one doing it like it it can definitely get to you and for me it's like look you know 99% of the people are just super supportive and super positive i'm doing this for them like the people that one percent mm-hmm. that's just being negative I don't want them to get a brick. I don't want their money. I'll refund them their money. I want them to unsubscribe. I want them out of my life because they don't have an effect on me and they have no right to introduce that negativity. So they're dead to me, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the mindset you have to have, I feel like, because it's like it's no no matter what good you're doing or no matter what like you're trying to bring, there's always going to be somebody that is that has got like that negative like. Um, I, I, I went on a rant recently on Instagram about entitled people, just like 
there are some people who feel like they are entitled to absolutely every single thing, whether it be a brick or a response from you, like immediately. Um, like the number of messages that I get saying like, uh, I emailed you two days ago and haven't got a response. Well, do you know how many emails I get in a day? Like, and mm-hmm. that's just, that's just me. Like, I can't imagine how many you get or how many you DMs you get, or, you know, just anyone in particular that's, that's an influencer in the keto space. And so I feel like, you know, when people come at you with an attitude like that, it's like, well, I don't really want your business or your, um, I don't really want to like, it's not that I want to help you. I just, I don't appreciate it. And I, I just can't imagine being on, on that side of it for you guys. Yeah. Like for me, the only way that I can really, you know, wrap my head around it is, you know, in addition to what I just said earlier about they're, they're being dead to me and I'm doing it for that 99%, not that 1% is that these people that are saying the negative things, like the ones that really are out there to just bring in negativity they have no, frame of reference they have no perspective they haven't walked a mile in my shoes they have no idea where i'm coming from so because they have no simple underlying foundation to even have an educated opinion of what it is that that's going on their opinion truly doesn't even exist like it, it does it falls on deaf ears to me because they don't have enough basis of information to be able to make an informed comment or or anything so i have no layer of respect for them whatsoever and like if somebody that i respect was to say something negative towards me like it would hit me hard like it would really really hit me hard but for somebody that has no frame of reference whatsoever i mean i i have no respect for that person because if they're gonna just bring in negativity blindly then i mean i I don't know i I can't like i've got too much going on and too much to do to to give them any inkling of my energy yeah no, I mean, I guess it's true. Like the 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 busier you are, like the less you can tolerate, or the less that you can recognize, like all of that stuff. It is staying busy, staying, you know, keeping your intentions where they need to be, and staying productive. You just kind of let that stuff fall by the wayside. So, um, I'll have to remember that the next time I'm provoked. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's easy to let it get to you for sure, and it, and like I said, it's it's gotten to me several times too. It's been like a and a progression where I've been able to to be able to respond to these things more maturely and see what the best plan of action because I I know with absolute certainty that my intentions are good they're pure and I'm in it for the right reason so anybody that's going to question that like like I know that they're wrong like I I really really care about everybody's opinion I really care about everybody but I care about the respect I have of, of myself and my integrity more than anything I'm not ever going to sacrifice my integrity so if I know within my heart that I'm doing things honestly and for the right reason, then anybody that questions that, I mean, they're just wrong, you know, like I, I know yeah. I'm good. Yeah, no, I, uh, I 100% agree. So, um, well, uh, we've been on here for an hour and I know every time we're on, we can say we'll talk for forever. So I don't want to keep <laughs> you too long. I know you're a busy man. Um, but I guess I'm just curious, like aside from Keto Brick, is there anything else that you are excited about or that you're working on that you, you know, within the keto space, without, I mean, I know you're getting married soon, which is exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be like just over three months. I think we're uh, tying the yeah. knot there. What, what day is that? April 28th. Okay, we go on our cruise April 6th, so I was like, oh no, I better be, I better have cell service so I can at least wish them congratulations. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, I'm sure there's going to be like some kind of vlog or pictures or something to capture the moment in some way. So Have that'll be live for sure. Been planning a lot. I mean, I know Crystal's been busy. Y'all been busy. So y'all got plans or? <laughs> Honestly, like Crystal's done a lot more of the legwork there than I have, and she hasn't, you know, done a whole lot. And I haven't done a whole lot. I mean, honestly, like we've been just so crazy busy with everything else that it's been like an afterthought. Oh, oh yeah, we're getting married at some point, you know. Yep. But we haven't really been able to make that our primary focus by any means. Oh gosh. Well, um, I I wish you two the best of luck. I love watching you guys, and um, and you you both are just y'all are adorable. I love. <laughs> I love just the back and forth between you both, but um, it's it's so neat to to be able to kind of feel like we're all a part of your life. So um, I just wanted to thank you for being so open and transparent, and um, you know, putting everything out there. So aside from the marriage, is there anything else you're excited about? Uh, well, Crystal and I are going to be doing a competition prep together uh, starting this year. We're going to both be competing in 2020. So. At least that's the plan as of as of right now. So we'll, we'll be going through a competition prep together. We're going to document that whole journey. Um, and then from a business standpoint, we're going to be launching an apparel line at some point in the near future if all goes as planned. So I'm excited about that for sure. That's cool. Do you know when you'll start prepping for your show? Probably in October or the 1st of November, somewhere yeah. in the fall. Because I'll yeah. be competing... I'm probably going to do several shows next year, but I'll probably start in April. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I feel like that's probably, that's usually about the time. And so that'll essentially be like, how long do you think your prep will be? Uh, I want to take a little bit longer. I want to start at a better starting position. I want to take a little bit longer. So I'm thinking probably, you know, a four and a half to five month prep. Mm -hmm. And then I want to just bring another level of conditioning that exceeds what I brought last time. So it's yeah, gonna be it's it's gonna be good. Your last uh your last show was when? Two thousand seventeen. It was uh yeah. April and May of two thousand seventeen. So you've had a you've had a good growth season, I would say. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. It's kinda hard to tell sometimes until I mean, it's it's funny, like you, you might think you put on a ton of muscle and then when you lean down it's like, Well, what's changed? But yeah, I feel like it's been pretty productive thus far. I've been super stressed and busy, so my training and my sleep have suffered there some, but I feel like when it's all said and done, I will have made some pretty good progress. Yeah. And I mean, obviously I can only give so much advice, but you, you as a business owner, I, I know I tell people, um, this who are like moms and wives, um, when they're in the shoes that I was in, when it comes to like self care and making sure you make yourself a priority, like you guys give so much to the community and so much to other people. Don't forget to make yourself a priority and make yourself a focus. And I know you're, you're very aware of that, but for you guys to keep pouring so much out into the community like you do, make sure that you guys are filling your cup as well. I really, really appreciate that. I think one thing that we're doing in a sense to kind of do that is we're we're building our own gym here at the compound, and then that's more or less getting close to completion. And then before I start the competition prep, I want to, like, get a little small sauna and have that here too so I can – and, like, a Stairmaster, and that way I have everything I need for the prep here so I can just, like – meditate zone out train work all in one roof and yeah. and that would be like a i don't know just an efficiency but then also it would give me time to reflect and be more meditative i think in my approach 
Yeah, no, that's awesome. And uh, I'm I'm hoping one day we can make the trek up there to come train with you guys. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You're, you're in North Carolina, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm 100% going to be in North Carolina some this year, so oh, I fully intend to see you in person at some point. I hope so. Uh, I that would be so exciting, and yeah, I'm I'm excited about that. So, um, well, I think that's a good note to end on. Um, and I really do appreciate you taking the time out of your day to record uh, with me. It's I think it was a great conversation. Um, where can people go to find more about you if they don't already know? Uh, KetoSavage.com or you know, KetoSavage on any of the social platforms is where you'll find me. Um, or KetoBrick is, is the other, the, the meal replacement bar that we were talking about. So KetoBrick.com and, and on social as well. Um, and they should be able to find me. And, and Lauren, I just wanted to say again, thank you for the opportunity. It's been an honor to, to speak with you. I mean, it's been very cool. I mean, everything you said about me, I could equally say towards you because I've seen you progress. In, in your in your coaching and your business and and everything you've done and I'm proud of where you've come I admire what you're doing and I I really appreciate all the good that you're putting out there so thank you and thank and thank you you know audience and everybody that's in this space as a whole because like I said earlier without y'all we are nothing you know yep. so thank you yep no I appreciate it well I'll talk to you again soon all right Lauren have a good one you too bye <laughs> I'm